All right, you ready? Yes. Okay. Hello and welcome to Better Than the Movie. I am Jeanette. She is Tamika, and we are here talking books. How are you today, my friend? Oh, God. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm fine. Happy to be here. And whatnot. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. You know, I'm just looking forward <laughs> to these next six days passing rather quickly. Bro, we've only had six more days till we're in the room where it happens. Yes. I'm super excited. Learning about a bastard orphan son of a whore and a scholar. Hey, so <laughs> they were on the cast. Was, well, Lin-Manuel Miranda was on Charlie Rose last week. It's on Hulu uh, if you are so inclined. And then the some of the cast, um, David Diggs, Chris Jackson, um, Leslie Odom Jr., Renee Ellis Goldsberry, and... Uh, Philippia Sue. I always say her name wrong. Is it Philippa Sue? Philippa. Yes, Philippa. Philippa Sue. She is. Um, they were all on Charlie Rose last night, and they did a great interview. A really, really good interview. Gonna have to check it out. Um, I was a little sad. Anthony Ramos and uh, Jasmine Cephas Jones weren't on there, but I don't think that they, I don't really know how Broadway works in their casting. Like I feel like. <laughs> Anthony played two characters. He should have been. <laughs> Maybe he was booked that day. I don't know. But it was a really good interview if you are into such things. All right. So you want to tell the people where they can find us on the interwebs? All right. Okay. You can uh, find us on the internet. Uh, we are on Twitter at Better Than TM. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash better than the movie. You can also find us on our own site, better than the movie.com. And if you are in, feel so inclined to send us a message or you have a recommendation or complaint or whatnot, you can email us at better than the movie at gmail.com. Um, and if you are not able or not willing, you can always leave us a message at our Google Voice number, which is 210-816-2886. All right, so let's get into it, eh? Yeah, we got a lot of news you can use because we haven't done it in a while. <laughs> so here we go. All right. So, uh, I guess the first thing we're going to talk about is this Young Lions Fiction Award situation. So, I saw that you had sent the article to the Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was like, oh, let me check this out. And I feel like I've heard about this. Um, it's a word before. So, for people who are unfamiliar, um, the New York Public Library has this Young Lions Fiction Award. Um, and it's a $10,000 prize awarded each spring to a writer aged 35 or younger for a novel or a collection of short stories. So each year they select five finalists and then the judges select a winner. Yes. So the movie, I mean, the book, bleh, the contest was founded by Ethan Hawke. Is that two Ethan Hawks or does the actor write? I don't know. I should have did my Googles. I always see books by Ethan Hawke, but I'm like, is it Ethan Hawke, Ethan Hawke? Or is it just a guy named Ethan Hawke, like it's two Chris Jacksons. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to do my Googles right now, but continue. All right, so they're a finalist for the Young Lions Fiction Award. Um, 
2016 finalists are. Oh, they don't need my music. Um, Angela Flarnoy. <laughs> Angela Flarnoy for the Turner House. Amelia Gray for Gut Shot. Alexandra Kleeman for YouTube Can Have a Body Like Mine. Helen Phillips for The Beautiful Bureaucrat. And Kristen Valdez Quad? Quad. Quaid. Night Quaid. Well, that's the E. Okay. Night at the Fiestas. And so the award show, the presentation will take place June 9th, 2016 at the Stephen A. Schwartzman Building in New York City, which we will not be able to attend. But um, that's a pretty cool award. I didn't know it existed. It looks fancy. Like the, pic, you know, the award. Yeah. 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 The ceremony looks mad fancy. Um, my Googles tell me that, yes, he is a novelist. Wow. So the more you know. Well, look at there. Yeah, well, I hope he's a bit. Never mind. The um, <laughs> the winter the winner last year was some something called the Un-Americans by Molly Antipol. I feel like I've heard of this book, the Un-Americans. Um, yeah. So there's a list on the website of previous winners. Um, Open City, Salvage the Bones were nominees at one point. Um. They never heard of a lot of these books, but that does not mean they're not any good. So you could probably curate yourself a good reading list just from this list of past winners. All right. Who are we cheering for? Uh, Obvi. <laughs> Angela Flournoy. <laughs> the young homie Angela. <laughs> All right. Obvi. Um, this, um, I, I, I think I knew about this award before, but I didn't know, like, the age restriction. Yeah. So now that I see that's 35, that means I got, like, approximately, like, 18 months to write my great American novel and, you know, get it published by a major publishing house and hope for the best. All right. Shoot for the stars. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you lift it. Never gonna happen. I do not appreciate age awards Awards with age limitations as an old woman. <laughs> I feel like it is mad. God, you just said old as if you're like really elderly. Please shut up. It is mad, disheartening, <laughs> and discouraging. New York Public Library and Ethan Hawke, just FYI. But anyway, um, we are sending all of our positive vibes to Angela Florno, and I hope that she is a winner. Oh, this again. I feel like we just talked about this. A report. Um, we did talk about the 2014 one last uh, year. <laughs> so we don't, have to, we don't have to talk about it like super in depth, but um, it's always interesting. So we're talking about the Vita count. Um, for people who don't know, the Vita count goes through and um, looks at the major literary magazines and such to figure out um, how women are represented either via reviews or via being reviewers. And so they look at it from like the gender standpoint, sexuality, uh, ethnicity, and I think like disabilities as well. Really? Yeah. And so I didn't really look at this in depth. I just took a cursory glance because um, as with all things literary related, I'm generally only looking for how it affects black women. And so <laughs> um, looking at like these stats or whatever for like 
all of the major literary magazines. We are still batting zero. So <laughs> well, there's a couple magazines here and there. Like I, I didn't see any magazine that um, published any art by a black woman or more than three black women, I should say. I think three was the highest number that I saw. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's that. Unless you had anything you wanted to add. No, I don't. I don't care about this thing no more. Thank you for telling us what we know. I don't like. I am a. I like data. I don't like data that's not analyzed and used to make decisions or acted upon. So I don't like data for the sake of data. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're not a fan no, of infographics. Nope. Don't don't care. Like if <laughs> like because you you got this information. This information was published and uh and you know widely read and commented on and talked about last year correct and um and every the year before that apparently i don't know i was not i'm not into this but then okay people saw it and some people made some changes or whatnot but not anything significant so i think when you do all of this gathering of data it's informative but if it's not used to make any decisions then you're just counting (laughs) and i appreciate you know appreciate it but whatever um it's interesting. Uh, last year, it seemed like there was a lot more buzz about the results and a lot more outrage, and there aren't any like drastic improvement. But there um, is not so much outrage, and I wonder if that's because last year, like the big buzzword was diversity, and now it's kind of you know petered off. Petered off, and so now nobody is outraged anymore. <laughs> so yep. it's interesting to see. But yeah, thanks, thanks for counting. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I can't hold it together. Uh, all they did was count. Oh, <laughs> none of these stories I like today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> This next one. So this next one is basically gloating, right? Yes. Because I called this when we did our movie to um, our book to movie uh, wish list, like our adaptations. Yeah. We talked about in Untamed State. um, I said that Gugu should play the lead. You did. And what happened in real life? Boom. Gugu is playing the lead. So there's going me Miss Cleo. You are. <laughs> so, uh, Gina Prince Blythewood will direct a Gugu Mbata Raw in a movie adaptation of Untamed State by the author of Untamed State. Um, that's exciting. As you know, I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> <laughs> I am excited that a movie is being made uh, with a black woman directing it. And I like Gugu. That's all I have to say. Okay. All right. Well, how do you feel? Are you excited? Are you going to go see this movie? Do I ever go see any movie? That's not really a question you should. When I I make an assumption that you are not or have not seen Say I'm being shady, so. and I still felt the shade in that question. You just oh. kind of tried to trick me a little bit there, but nevertheless, um, I probably will go see it. I probably won't see it right away because that's not really how my life happens. Yeah, 
But yeah, should be dope. I love uh, Gina Prince, by the way. Yeah. Listen, I thought the book was alright. I mean, I liked the book. Don't get me wrong, but it was it was a lot, and you know how I feel about the author of an untamed state. So, um, I'm wondering um, if the adaptation is going to be as traumatic. As well, I kind of feel like if it's not, then they don't need to make it because they can get real lifetime. Right. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yep. I think there's potential to make a really good movie, but you're going to have to go for it and not hold back in any way. Hold back because that last half of it is very, like, what's her name? Uh, who did I say should be the mom? Kathy um, uh, Bates. Kathy Bates, yeah. <laughs> it can be real. <laughs> Real fried green tomatoes at the end if we're not careful. So, um, yeah, girl, I, you know what I can't wait for? All the think pieces about them not using a dark skinned um, Haitian actress for this part. Can't wait! <laughs> Cannot wait! <laughs> Y'all get started on those. No, they are going to be the West. The West Indian community is gonna go. Ham on the thing pieces. All right, all right. So this next thing, did you see this? I I was annoyed by this. So it came out like last week. Um, <laughs> wait, and, wait, wait, wait. Have you seen any of the James Patterson <laughs> commercials for his books? No. <laughs> he got a YouTube them. If they're on YouTube, I don't know, but they are hilarious. James Patterson has ran out of. F-U-C-K's, and he is just having fun. The other day he was on my TV dressed up <laughs> something, but he's now like fully dressed up, <laughs> like he's not committed all the way, and he's like doing a voice. <laughs> so I don't know if the theme was pirates or some shit, but he's having like a pirate hat. <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess you have to see them, <laughs> but when you see them, when you catch them on your TV, you're going to be like, sir, what the hell? <laughs> I know you rich as hell, but it please. <laughs> like, yeah, so apparently he thinks that he um is creating the novella now. He has this um because he says that if you want to sell people well, first of all, he says that people have abandoned books for television, video games, and movies and social media. Which girl, huh? Okay. All right. So, so he's, you know, so they say, so how do you sell books to somebody who doesn't normally read? Mr. Patterson's plan, make them shorter, cheaper, more plot driven, and more widely available. Because ebooks have not existed prior to Mr. Patterson's idea of book shots. Aren't um, James Patterson's books shorter, cheaper, and more plot driven? They may not be shorter, but they're definitely cheap. And, Okay. Well, apparently, he has this thing, Bookshots, which is going to be a line of short and propulsive novels that will cost less than $5 and can be read in a single sitting. He aims to release two to four books a month through his publisher. All the titles will be shorter than 150 pages, the length of a novella. Thank you, Mr. Patterson, for Christopher Columbusing the format. He is hilarious. It's a blatant money grab. Yeah. 
He already does so many numbers, but he has a team. He's freaking Carolyn Keene, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and he doesn't even write his books, most of them. So now he's going to hire 50 more people to write. <laughs> Girl. Little mini books, or as they call them in the literary community, novellas or short stories. Um, thank you, Mr. Patterson. Oh, God, he cracks me up. I'm sorry. I know that people have their issues with him, but he makes me laugh. Like, look at this picture of his ass at his home in Palm Beach, like he's doing some business. <laughs> No, and he ain't doing a damn thing. It's like, is that a corded phone? Is that a cordless phone that he's cradling? Like, who still has a cordless phone? What's happening, Jim? The wicker back chair and the angle back. This is so much right now. This brass lamp, like, that's really where he works. <laughs> I love how they have the, the papers, like, scattered. <laughs> but you know that he's been working on some shit. He got an inbox, he got an outbox. <laughs> One of the pages <laughs> has a bullet point list of five items. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I could just see him saying, okay, now take me on my desk. Like, he's not looking at the camera. He's <laughs> He set this shut up. Like, everything is perfectly placed. It ain't man computer, typewriter. No, not a one. But all these typed pages, but not one device that shows you how they were typed. He looks like a man who is a pain in the ass when he retires, just tinkering around (laughs) and bullshitting. I fixed Uh the sink. It was leaking. (laughs) It was not leaking. What were you doing? James Patterson cracks me up. But, you know, thank you for trying to reach more people with books, I guess. I'm saying something nice. Yeah. Okay. Where are you? All right. Yeah. All right. right. So this last thing, I actually literally just found this moments before we started recording. Okay. Um, because uh, I was scrolling. I got back on. I'm back on Facebook now. So I'm scrolling through Facebook, and one of my friends from high school posted this. She's like, "Oh, I've read the first book on this list, but I haven't read any of the others." So this list is called Ten Books Every Young Black Woman Should Read to Slay." Which, oh. you remember how they held the funeral for um, the word nigga? Mm-hmm. Can we hold a funeral for the word slay? Fleek has to go first. It, I mean, we can bury, there can be a double funeral if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Well, it okay. probably is going to go now. Oh my gosh. Alright, so nevertheless, <laughs> this list is interesting to me. Mostly because I haven't heard of a lot of these books on this list. So the first book on the list is Fervent by Priscilla Shirer. Yeah. Apparently the book that the movie War Room was based on. So I'm guessing it's about Jesus. Yeah, she actually, if you are a Christian person or you are interested in the Jesus and Lord and Savior in prayer, um, she actually has a couple of, uh, another really good book. I forget the name of it, but I have it. And it's really like... She's, you know, the war room is kind of intense, you know, but she's very practical, at least in her writing, you know. So I recommend it. I would read Fervent, 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 Fervent. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The next book on the list is The Sisters Are Right by Tamara Winfrey Harris, which I've owned that book for like since it came out, but I still haven't read it yet. Okay. Um. Uh, the next book is The Year of Yes, which we did an entire show about, so clearly we're with it. Um, after that is The Little Black Book of Success, Laws of Leadership for Black Women. 
by Elaine Merrill Brown, Marsha Haygood, and Rhonda Joy McLean. Okay. Haven't heard of this one, but apparently it's described as a mentor in your pocket. Okay. Which intrigues me. So maybe I'll look into it. All right. Um, the next book is called The Personal Touch by Terry Williams. Terry Williams is a PR person. Okay. Hmm, I'm sorry. I'm scrolling through this article and I see they spelled Murphy wrong. I also um, see there's, there's, a forward, <laughs> there's a forward in her book by Bill Cosby. Okay. Hmm, All right. Cool. But this was probably pre. Oh, I'm certain it was pre. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, oh my God, my computer has frozen. So can you perhaps keep sure. going through the list? Uh, all the joy you can stand. 101 Sacred Power Principles for Making Joy Real in Your Life by Debrina Jackson Gandy. I like the first line. After I read this book, I wanted to run outside and hit a number from you got served in the rain. Okay. <laughs> um, what it, What I Know for Sure by Oprah Winfrey. I forgot Oprah had this book. It's like life lessons in essay format. Isn't it just mm-hmm. the back of the... Uh, yeah, it's the last page of every magazine. old magazine. Okay. Uh, the Defining Decade, Why Your 20s Matter, and How to Make the Most of Them Now. Sure. Um, nice Girls Don't Get Rich, 75 Avoidable Mistakes Women Make with Money. I don't want to talk about... I don't like reading books about money. You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life. Um... I keep seeing that book. I do too. Yeah. I have yeah. yet to crack it open, but I've seen it a few times. Yeah. And a few people whose opinions I actually trust um, regarding books say I should read it. You know, maybe one day. Maybe. Right on. Okay. So check those out. I don't really, um, I don't really like that this list does not have any fiction on it. Why is that? Um, because I think that you need to read a healthy mix of both mm-hmm. um, because you can learn life lessons through fictional books as well as nonfiction. And if you're going to quote unquote slay, then you should have people skills. And a lot of the times these sort of self-help books don't really teach you people skills mm-hmm. or show you things about interpersonal relationships. They're more about giving you like practical life skills. And so I feel like that's a thing that one needs to slay. Okay. Maybe we can curate a better than the movie list. Hmm. Or yeah. y'all can go back and listen to the last 45 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was a lot of news, but I feel informed. Okay. <laughs> So today, 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 we're talking about books that we did not finish. (laughs) Now, I will say now that um, as a person who writes, I um, mean no disrespect to the people who put their blood, sweat, and tears into this book, and we recognize the effort it takes to write a book um, and the accomplishment it is to get a book published. And we are proud of everybody whose books we're about to talk about. But these are books that we just, we didn't finish them. We didn't, maybe we didn't like them. Maybe they didn't move us. Maybe it wasn't the right time in our lives. Maybe they were poorly written. So, um, 
that's what we're doing. Do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Um, it doesn't matter. I will preface this by saying that I have literally two books on my list because I generally finish every book I start. Okay, well, I have several <laughs> because I'm not with the shit, and <laughs> <laughs> and so that's fine. I will go first. <laughs> Get some of these out the way. So, first book that I was like, nah, player, this one ain't for me, is called Cartwheel by Jennifer Dubois. Have you heard of this book? Mm-mm. What's it about? Okay, so, basically, it's a suspense book. It's about a foreign exchange student arrested for murder and a father trying to hold his family together. So, I immediately thought, Amanda Doc's story. Mm-hmm. I like crime. I like intrigue, murder, crazy people. Um, so basically, this student, her name is Lily Hayes. She arrives in Buenos Aires for her semester abroad. She's having a good time, eating street food, you know, boning the locals. And uh, she's got a roommate uh, named Katie, but she doesn't want to hang out with the uh, other students there. She is wanting to be amongst, you know, how people, I want to go where the locals go. So she does. And five weeks later, she's found murdered in the house, right? You know, it's like a shared house. I'm sorry, not her. Her roommate, Katie, the boring one, the American. So Lily, who wants to be with the locals, is the suspect. And so the book is supposed to, what it's supposed to do is take you there, like, we think that Lily is this one way, but she's not really this one way. There's all these secrets that are going to come out um, about her, and her father has her back. Everybody's like, well, you know, yeah, Lily can be a little bit of an a-hole, and yeah, she's this, but I don't think she would murder anybody, and all these things come out. So it's kind of a little bit law and order ripped from the headlines of the Amanda Knox case, but it was supposed to be this, like, great, captivating story, and I'm sure it was. However, I didn't finish it because it was extremely slow Mm. in the beginning, and it wasn't, um, if the, I kind of felt like if the, um, the central event, like the event, the main event in this book is the murder, and then all these other things drive it. Like, can we get to the murder first and then talk about, like, how we didn't know her and how her dad is trying to hold it together as opposed to you kind of are dropped into the middle of this case. And it, it, it's just, uh, how do I want to put it? The way that she sequenced things didn't really flow. Yeah, and it wasn't super compelling. But, you know, the writing was all right. That's it. I don't like books that are ripped from the headlines either. I think that if you can do it well, it can right. work. I, I'm 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 struggling to recall one that I've read that's like ripped from the headlines, but I feel like you you have to have a certain level of craft <laughs> in order to do that, you know, well, well where where it doesn't where it's still compelling and it makes people want to like where it isn't like a direct ripoff. Yeah. 
Well, like, look at Stand Your Ground by... Um, right. Yeah, and that's something we cared about, and you cared about those characters and what happened, right? So, but exactly. this case, I just... The girl was so... There's all this mystery intrigue about who the girl is in the first place and how she really is that uh, you, there's not, like, an empathetic uh, character to empathize with or somebody to root for or whatever. And so, um, at least I didn't get far enough to get into it, and so that is why I did not finish Cartwheel by Jennifer Dubois. Okay. Do you want me to do another one? Or you want to go? <laughs> I can go. Okay. So, um, this book actually, we were supposed to read it for the show, and then we promptly did not talk about it because we both, I think, started and we were like, mm, no, nah, girl. Um, Delicious Foods by James Hanahan. Oh, yeah. Which got a lot of critical acclaim. It was on a ton of best of lists. Um, and I started reading it, and I don't know why. Yeah, I do know why. Okay. I just didn't care mm-hmm. about where the story was going. I got maybe 30% of the way through, and I was like, it's it's too much happening, and we're only 30% in. Mm-hmm. Like, And it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. You know how you start reading something you think like oh okay because it says that her um this woman and her son go to like this farm this mysterious farm that's run by a shady company blah blah blah, whatever and so you're thinking like okay like this mother and this son they're gonna go through some shit and it's gonna be kind of crazy but i just felt like nothing and maybe at 35 percent things got explained a bit more better but i i was just like i don't have the energy to try to keep up yeah yeah i get it i ain't never started (laughs) (laughs) just didn't start it well you know i looked at it (laughs) but i was like "Eh." so (laughs) you know how you just know (laughs) like you just know like when you've read a zillion books in your lifetime you know about what 20 pages in if it's gonna happen for you yeah that's true and I have especially at this point in my life I have very I have never had a book where I'm like oh this sucks but I'm gonna stick with it and ended up really enjoying it I might have thought it was all right but I've never been wrong (laughs) about a book sucking (laughs) so my next one OMG Guys, I love this author. I did not love this, well, the first half of this book, first quarter of this book. Um, Till You Hear From Me by Pearl Clegg. <laughs> so, um, this book is about um, a character uh, named Ida B. Wells Dunbar, first of all. She <laughs> is... <laughs> She's just finished working, or she's on the Obama campaign, presidential campaign, and um, she's, you know, in Washington doing the thing, and then her father, the Reverend Horace Dunbar, um, he's a civil rights icon in Atlanta, blah, 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 he is uh, like a viral video, video goes viral, and it's leaked about him something saying some unsavory things 
think Jeremiah Wright, right? And so um, she goes to Washington, D.C. to just kind of figure out what's going on with her dad and whatever, and she goes, lives in the West End neighborhood. If you've read the West End series by Pearl Clegg, they are delightful books. I, the neighborhood, the vibe is great. Um, and so basically there's a little bit of, you know, like kind of political-based um, scandal going on. Um, but the reason that I didn't finish this book is because I didn't connect with the main character the way that I did with the other books. Um, what is it, Regina and the other, uh, what's the book, um, what looks like crazy on an ordinary day, um, things, some things I never thought I'd do. Like, I didn't connect with this character in that way. Also, another kind of, it just seemed too much for her to have been working on Obama's campaign. Then you've got like this like, could we have, like, a fictional president or, like, a fictional senator or something like that? I don't, I have a thing with books that try to be too in the, like, one foot in reality and one foot one in the foot fictional. In. Mm, I, I just, it always comes off as kind of strange to me. Now, I, I realize President Obama is a real person, and it makes sense, and it's doable to say that someone will work on his campaign, but it just feels like you're trying to make the president a character in the book. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Okay. It's like if somebody, I read a book about somebody that was like Beyonce's personal assistant. Like, yeah, I guess it's possible, but I don't want to think about Beyonce when I'm reading this book. <laughs> um, also, I just think it just kind of, some of the charm, you know what I mean, that would initially pull you in just wasn't there for me. But, you know, I know a lot of people that like that book uh, till you hear from me, so don't you don't have to take my word for it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Till You Hear From Me by Pearl Clegg. Sorry. So sorry. <laughs> All right, so um, I've, I, I just realized there's a third book on my list. Yay! All right, so book number two, though, um, is called Shifting Through Neutral by Bridget Davis. Mm -hmm. And I read this after I read her other book, Into the Ghost Low, which I love. And okay. I think I read this, like, around the same time I was reading The Turner House, too, because I think I was in, like, a Detroit flame of mine, because this book is set in Detroit, too. And um, I just stopped reading this because I didn't care about the main character. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. But it's about um, this girl, woman, uh, Ray Dodson, mm -hmm. who um, is basically um, caring for her father who has a chronic migraine disorder. Mm -hmm. And so, like, her, her mother is just, like, not really present in the... Like, she's there physically, but she's not really, um, you know emotionally or spiritually, however you want to say it, um, present for a lot of the time. And so at the point that I stopped, I think this is when like Ray became her dad's basically full-time caregiver because he couldn't work. That's how debilitating his migraines were. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. I think, I think I start. I think I was reading this like in the summer too, and it started to get sad. And I was like, "Oh, girl, we don't we don't do sad books in the, when the weather's nice outside." So mm -hmm. that could have been another reason why I was just like, "We gonna come back to this later." Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I mean, like the writing wasn't terrible. 
Um, but I just think that it was a lot. And I wasn't really here for a lot at that point in time. So. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> oh, geez. This is depressing, guys. But, you know, you got to know where our tastes lie. <laughs> Can't just know what we like. Got to know what we don't like. All right. So my next one is Chasing Harry Winston by Lauren Weisberger. Oh, yeah. This Devil Wears Prada, right? Yeah. It's so second book. I think the third, yeah, second, third. Didn't she have one between the two, like, um... The oh, there was a, yeah. Something about a PR. Oh, everyone worth knowing. Yeah. So I'd read Devil Wears Prada, obviously. Great book. Everyone was worth knowing. Okay. Then I got to this one, and I was like, oh, girl. I don't care. Because um, it feels like Lauren is a one-trick pony. Mm-hmm. Yep, every character is the same. And I feel like, oh, God. Okay, so this is a strong, this is my conspiracy theory. This is not a fact. But I'm like, did the same lady who wrote The Devil Wears Prada write these other books? (laughs) Do tell us more. Because it ain't the same. Oh, there's another one that I did read called Last Night at Chateau Marmont. Marmont. Yes. Listen, Devil Wears Prada was funny. There was great pacing. It was like, it was a good story. Great enough that they made a book with one of the great, I mean, a great movie, one of the greatest actresses of our time. Um, and the movie was good. Hell, even my daddy liked that movie. He don't like movies with starring women. Or, <laughs> so, that's not true, but y'all know what I mean. So, I was so excited to read her other books, and like I said, Everyone Worth worth Knowing was good, like it was okay, same style of reading, but it wasn't, um, same style of writing, but it wasn't as good as Prada, but then you got to these other two, and it was like, girl, you forgot how to write plot, like there's no plot here, you know, I don't know, but this book is, it don't even matter, it's basically about three best friends in New York City, um, and their dating disasters career shit whatever. And so, like, one of them is newly single. She's just been broken up with. Um, her boyfriend left her for a trainer. And then Adriana is a drop-dead gorgeous daughter of a famous supermodel. And then this other one is probably a PR person or whatever. Oh, and I remember she got a lot of criticism for these books because then it was kind of like, I think these came out like 2007, 2008, and people were really like, ma'am, we are in the middle of a crisis financially, and these kind of <laughs> super you know, everybody, yeah, everybody works in publishing or PR, and everybody's a millionaire, and everybody's, all these 20-year-old girls are balling and, you know, <laughs> working in high-end jobs and fashion. Like, it wasn't real, and it wasn't even, like, people were so down and out that it didn't even work as escapism. But, like, she just, it just was boring. I don't know. I'm saying all that to say she'd already done that maybe three, four times before, and then by the time we got to this one, I was like, okay, girl, I don't care about these white tricks, chicks and their <laughs> problems. Because they weren't smart. I feel like the first girl, the girls, in, uh, the characters in Everyone Worth Knowing and uh, Devil Wears Product were at least smart in this kind of, smart girls kind of plopped into this superficial right. world, where these other chicks was like, oh, y'all part of the problem. Like, it just wasn't. 
and it wasn't funny, whatever. But there are some beautiful rings on one of the covers, the cover art. Say something nice. Great gowns. Beautiful gowns. Great gowns. Beautiful gowns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So my third and final do not, did not finish is Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari. Oh. I forgot about this because I was listening to it via audiobook, actually, mm-hmm. not physically reading it. Um, and I thought it would be more funny, but it ended up being more researchy. Mm-hmm. And so at a certain point, I just, it was on, but I wasn't listening to it. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, like, where's Aziz being funny and telling, like, stories from like his bits and whatever like I don't care about all of this research and about people you talk to in Wichita about their dating habits like I don't care that deeply so I felt like I was tricked um because I knew it was co-written by someone but I didn't think that um he would get the lion's share of the book's contents so yeah, Aziz has this like even in his stand up and then like in his show Master of None, which is a brilliantly done show, he's kinda has this like obsession with relationships and commitment and marriage and it's just like, Sir, I feel like you are the ultimate m- commitment phobe and you are trying to like <laughs> overanalyze it instead of just saying I don't want to get married. Like it's all good. But yeah, I was looking forward to that book. Um I think you said before you weren't wild about it, but or no, no, no. At the time you were listening to it, you weren't finished. Huh. All right. I like Aziz, but everybody don't need a book. I mean, I feel like if he had written a straight up um, like comedy memoir, like his homegirl Mindy Kaling, or you know, those other ladies that have done that recently, mm-hmm. um, it probably would have held my attention better. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, dude, all of this, like, researchy, and maybe if I was reading it straight on, it probably would have read better, but listening to it, I was just like, oh, girl, who has the time? Good (laughs) Audible, you want to take this back and give me something else? Yeah, I get you. I get you. And which you can do very easily on Audible, (laughs) return a book and get another one. Shout out to Audible. Actually, as a matter of fact, too, if you have not gotten into the good gospel that is Audible, feel free to go to www.audibletrial.com slash better than the movie and get your free audiobook trial. We didn't even plan that, but for real, they do make it super. I was re- listening to some book and I couldn't stand the narrator's voice and they were like, I was like, nope, and went right to Audible exchange it or returned it and my credit was almost immediately available to me and then I just got something else and they don't even care if you've you know you listen to it and you're like "Mm, I'm three quarters of the way done this sucks you know so they make it very very easy uh, for you to exchange your books but don't be like a weirdo and (laughs) don't be a jerk and like download a book and listen to the whole thing and then return it and then keep doing that they will get you eventually they'll be like you need to call us if you want to (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay so i had two more three more four more let me see where this goes so y'all know i didn't like the misadventures of awkward black girl Y'all know, I just, I stopped reading that book when she used the phrase chinky-eyed, so, whoa, yeah, so, 
Yeah, I didn't finish that one. I know a lot of people love, admire her. She is one of the See, people. In, yes, ma'am. I, I was just going to say, I knew that when I stopped watching the web series that the book wouldn't pop my, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I know she's accomplished a lot um, in some people's eyes and that people really admire her. She is one of the women on the front line of the top tier of the Black Girl Magic Brigade. I get it. I understand. I don't take anything away from her, but I am just not. I wasn't a fan of this book or the second season of her web show or her humor. Like, I just don't find her funny, and that's no shade to her. But, you know, good, you know. All right. So then um, another book that I didn't finish. Have you ever read Committed by uh, Elizabeth Gilbert? No. Well, okay. Why do I know Elizabeth Gilbert? Eat, Pray, Love. No. Oh, she wrote another book, too, though, that I yeah. think I'm... Okay. Uh, Big Magic Creative. Yeah, that I'm, that I'm on Aretha this year. Okay, so she uh, wrote, remember in Eat, Pray, Love, she cheated on her husband, and you know? she decided she wasn't going to talk too much about that, but she did, and she ended up doing her little Eat, Pray, Love journey across the world, and she met an older man named Felipe, um, and they had been, you know, doing this thing where it was a sort of weird citizenship thing where they were going back and forth. But at this point, they had kind of, she kind of sworn off marriage. And so I thought this book was going to be a kind of a continuation of that. But it wasn't. It was more um, her take on marriage and her kind of approaching her fears and her. Um, just kind of examining marriage and commitment more. And it was really interesting at first because she did all this research about, like, um, different tribes in Brazil and what they think. I mean, I don't know if it was Brazil or not, but indigenous tribes somewhere, then how they view marriage and how marriage works in different societies. And I thought that was going to be interesting. And somehow she managed to make it as boring as Eat, Pray, Love was the movie. So (laughs) I told you what I called the movie, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> but it was so weird to me because I was like, what a great concept. You can go interview people from all over the world and all these people, talk to them about commitment and marriage and maybe get to the root of what your, what your issues are with marriage. But it just, maybe she eventually did, but she took too long to get there because I didn't stop reading this book like early. I kind of got halfway through it and still wasn't connecting with it. So, um I still have it, though. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll pick it back up. But she just, maybe she needs to write fiction. I don't know. I didn't love that one. Um, Then I have another one, and this will be my last one. Okay. All right. An Accidental Affair by Eric Jerome (laughs) Dickey. Oh, gosh. Oh. Eric... Eric decided that he was going to just do genre. Didn't matter. He's going to do all of the genres and all of his books every time. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's going to be gritty street. It's going to be uh, romance. Then it's going to slide over from romance to erotica. It's going to be African-American fiction. It's going to be a thriller. Um, one book? Yeah. <laughs> what did what, what, uh, that do? It did nothing for me because I didn't finish <laughs> it. 
Um, this book is a little bit meta. Like it's like a guy. His I think it's his. He's a writer, and his wife is a actress. And there's like a um, a fair thing that's caught on video, and something happens, but you don't really know what happens. Um, but he like is on the. I don't know if he's on the run. Or what? But he ends up attacking the guy who was on the videotape with his wife. But there's all of this like other shit happening. But anyway, while he's on the run, he goes to like a hotel, but one of those hotel things that like people live in. You know what I mean? Like an hotel mm-hmm. apartment. And he, there's another cast of characters, and there's tension with this woman that he just met that lives down the hall. And of course, it's an Eric Jerome Dickey book, so they're in fucking Downey, California. But everybody's fine. <laughs> and so. <laughs> Everybody fine, no matter. Well, no, no. I've never been to Downey. I don't I'm sure it's a lovely place, but I'm just saying like he Right. Yeah. Like you were in the like most always, like, it's always like the most random ass place in like Cerritos, California or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, and we are in a hundred dollar a week hotel apartments, but everybody in it looks like a million bucks. A million bucks, yeah. So there's some weird characters there that did need to be there and kind of distracted you from what was supposed to be happening. You know, then he goes on his suspense thing where he's like, bro, uh, yeah, this person got a mysterious email from this person. Then he's supposed to meet this shady guy over here and collect this. It just gets crazy. And I'm like, pick a genre, Mr. Dickey, and stick to it. Preferably black American love stories, which I don't know why you're trying to fight it, but that is where your blessings lie. Yeah. And he just won't do it. So <laughs> I could not finish the accident, an accidental affair. As a matter of fact, <laughs> quite a few Eric Jerome Dickey books <laughs> on my <laughs> I'm gonna get back to them list, but we won't. We won't be two faced. <laughs> Anyway, that is not all that I have, but all that we have time for. (laughs) Oh, sorry, y'all. I don't finish a lot of books because I'm just, I don't have time for nonsense. Anyway, I think that's it. It is. Are we doing last segment? Yeah, I mean, we can. I don't... I'm still reading Devil and Grove. Oh, I wasn't reading Devil and Grove in the Grove. Devil in the Grove last episode we recorded. So that's what I'm reading. Devil in the Grove. Um, <laughs> by... What's his name? Um, Gilbert... Oh, shit. I can't remember his last name. Uh, Gilbert King. Uh, Devil in the Grove is a... Very difficult book to read. Have you read this book? Mm-mm. I think it's, it's on my called. Series, so. Yeah, it's been on mine for about four years, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe two years. Two years. Um, it is uh, Devil in the Grove, Thurgood Marshall, The Groveland Boys, and The Dawn of a New America. And I cannot wait till we get to the Dawn of the New America part because this book <laughs> is tough. It's all, you know, it's a nonfiction book. It won a Pulitzer, I believe, and um, for nonfiction. And y'all, <laughs> if you, it's a civil rights. I mean, it's about Thurgood Marshall and his work, but also um, very specific. It gives a lot of detail about some very specific cases, and to, and then of course the main story, which is this kind of um, 
this case that happened in Grove Land, Florida. It's a citrus community, like a citrus farming community in Florida. Think Rosewood. Do you remember that movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that whole event. Think that. Um, and this is what we're dealing with. But, you know, there are some tales, tales and anecdotes and little side stories. Um, I won't go into them now, but I have been reading this book at a very slow pace because emotionally I just can't just dive in and, you know. Plow through it. Oh, no, it is rough, but I intend to finish it. Um because I am just amazed. I knew about Thurgood Marshall, and I know, you know, about Thurgood Marshall, but I did not understand what he meant to so many blacks during that time. Um, and so it's an incredible book. I I mean, it's not, it's a popular book. Everybody's seen it. You go and Google the cover, you're like, oh, yeah, that book. And I didn't even, I've seen it a million times, never really picked it up and looked at it, but my dad is actually was the one that recommended it, and I had been intending to read it. So, you know, two years later, here I am. Um, <laughs> please check it out, but, you know, be prepared. Anyway, what are you reading? <sighs> Girl, come on. Nothing. We have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I actually am not reading anything, but I'm still on, thing? well, I'm still on my mystery reading kick, so oh, I yeah. am now, um, digging into the first of three books, um, in a series by Rachel Houser Hall, um, the detective Eloise, I forget her last name, Norton series, mm -hmm. um, so I'm about to start reading Land of Shadows, um, but I, I pretty much stand out for um, Rachel Houser Hall last show. Um, and I also, the last book I read was another black female mystery writer. Um, this woman, Bianca Sloan, she has two or three books. I can't remember. I only read two of them, though. Okay. <laughs> uh, which I'm sorry, I'm woefully um ill prepared. I'm trying to scroll through my Kindle app right now to see if they'll come up, but they're not coming up. Sweet little lies is one of them. And I forget what the other is called. Okay. But yes. Good books. Nice mystery. Um I I I I want to see more writing in like genre from black women writers so if anybody mm -hmm. has any recommendations of like mystery writers or spec fic um maybe sci-fi your girl don't really fuck with that too heavy um but let me know because I, I i feel like I, I i'm always on the pulse of things um with literary fiction uh and romance but at okay. many genre i don't okay so i don't be knowing I do, uh, before we go, I want to say, you know, that you are an awesome co-host. You do so much more than I do. Um, and as far as prepping the show and also um, interacting with fans and also, <laughs> I don't say fans, who, am I? who do I think I am, listeners of the show, and also, you know, just being all around better and more about that life than I am because I am not shit currently. Also, last week's show was really, really good. Y'all had it sounding like NPR. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh like, my God. I was so like, 
oh, this is going to sound stupid. I'm going to be rambling. <laughs> yeah, but you, it was great. I was like, this is great. Like, I don't even need to be here, but I am here. So okay. <laughs> let's be clear. We don't need to have another show like that. So you're actually not allowed to travel um, anymore. So I felt really Ever. bad because I think I'm pretty sure at the time that you were recording, I was probably in my hotel room just, you know, looking at the wall. So, um, but no, I was, I was, um, that was wonderful because I certainly would not have done it. It just wouldn't have been no show that week. So I'm going to, you know, repay you for your diligence. <laughs> tenacity anyway thank y'all for listening by the time y'all hear this we won't be will we be here yeah we we'll still be in our respective homes it comes out the tuesday before we leave okay so next show just prepare prepare to listen to us lose our minds about um our trip to New York. And for those of you who don't know, it will be our first time meeting each other in person. <laughs> Even though I can honestly say Jeanette is probably one of my closest friends. Or at least I interact with you more than I do 90% of the people I call friends. So, um, I was just will... thinking about that the other day. Well, we don't have to get into that right now, but we don't need to get emo. Stay thuggish <laughs> on the air. <laughs> Anyway, thank you guys for listening. We will see y'all in two weeks. Bye-bye.